for some reason, the word resilience has really been something that I have been considering in recent days, especially during my evening walks. We are all being called upon to be resilient in so many ways right now. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines the physics concept of resilience as the capability of a strained body to recover its size and shape after deformation, after being bent, stretched, or pressed. As it applies to people, resiliency is recovery after stress and the capability to recover from difficulties. I'd like to invite us this day to sit with the whole notion of resilience as we move toward today's scripture. The scripture that Miriam read earlier is a post-resurrection story found only in John's gospel. It has all been quite a roller coaster ride for the early disciples. What an extraordinary three-year journey they have been on together. They have risked their lives and lived large and awakened each day, eager to spend time with Jesus. It has been a very focused mission. Then came the whirlwind of the end of Jesus' life. The wounds of Holy Week are still fresh. There was the prediction of betrayal. They endured the horrific scene of the crucifixion. The last thing they thought or imagined would happen was a resurrection, despite Jesus' teaching from time to time of suffering and death and rising again. But what they thought was irreversible, God has reversed. Jesus is alive. It has all been so very exciting and a bit disorienting. And it is in the midst of that context that the disciples leave Jerusalem and return to Galilee and Peter announces it's time to go fishing. Who would blame them for going fishing? They are not trying to escape their ordinary life. Fishing was their vocation and disciples still have to eat and perhaps it felt really good to do something ordinary. It was a failed fishing trip. Left to their own abilities, they caught zero fish, but failure is a backdrop, a good backdrop always for miracles and for grace. A voice cuts through the fog from the shore and says, what, do you, what did you catch? The disciples said, nothing. The man on the beach then recommends that they make a change, that they move the nets from where they think they should be and place the net to where the man tells them to put it. The remarkable thing is that they do it. These experienced fishermen, they do the demanding work of moving a very heavy, wet net from one side of the boat to the other, which results in an abundant catch. It is in the abundant catch that the disciples have eyes to see that it is Jesus. Just as he did at the tomb, the empty tomb on Easter morning, John, the beloved disciple, he has quick insight and Peter has quick action. John turns to Peter and says, it is the Lord. And then we have this amazing, hilarious scene of Peter jumping up, throwing on some clothes, probably wrapping a belt around his waist, around his robe, jumping out of the boat and getting to Jesus as fast as he can. As Peter ran to the shore and the other disciples followed, they found a charcoal fire. Now there's... Only two instances in the New Testament where the word charcoal is used. Here in this particular passage, and we also find it when Peter warmed himself in the courts and denied the Lord three times. I wonder if Peter was immediately reminded of his failure. 
around another fire not too long ago when he smelled the charcoal that morning? Was Peter wondering if Jesus was, was able to trust him again after all that he had failed to do? But instead of a disappointment speech, what comes out of Jesus' mouth? Come and have breakfast. Come and be with me. Jesus nourishes them, serves them, helps them to adjust to a new situation that they are still coming to grips with, with the resurrection. The amazing revelation that we see here, friends, is that Jesus does not go and find new disciples who will have faith to the end. He sticks with them, which is the foundation for Peter's ability to be resilient it's the foundation for our ability to be resilient because in all of our amazing highs and devastating lows, Jesus sticks with us. And he says, come and be with me for you are my beloved and I love you more than you can possibly imagine and have given to you incredible worth. I want to be with you. The breakfast story has so many wonderful lessons, but at its very heart, the story of this breakfast, it is a story of restoration and resilience. And the center of it all is Peter. There is so much to love about Peter. Peter was a leader among Jesus' disciples. He is one of Jesus' most innermost friends in that circle, the closest circle of Jesus' friends among, along with James and John. He leaves everything along with his brother Andrew in order to follow Jesus. When Jesus calls Peter and Andrew to follow them, he is the one who recognizes Jesus' identity as the Messiah, but he often speaks without thinking. He's brash and impulsive and never at a loss for words. When Jesus teaches that the Son of Man must suffer and die, Peter protests, which causes Jesus to seriously reprimand him. He's one of three who will sleep through an incredibly important time in Jesus' life in Gethsemane. And the Gospels record for all posterity the abandonment of Jesus by all the disciples, and in particular by Peter. It would have been easy for Peter to be done, to give up on the cause of following Jesus, to be devastated by his failure and all the setbacks, to be so disappointed in himself that he can no longer participate. But Peter is nothing if not resilient. And we see here and will see in the future of the story in the book of Acts that Peter's ability to recover will yield much fruit as he will become one of the greatest leaders in Christ's church. The presence of resilience. I had the privilege of witnessing a beautiful demonstration of resilience while officiating a wedding nearly a month ago. The spread of COVID-19 has affected everything that we do from work to school to how we celebrate on Easter. It has also affected weddings. Some are postponing, others are moving their weddings to 
virtual experiences and live streaming their ceremonies. I had a courtside seat to a couple who decided to stay with their original date to make their vows, but it required of them many last minute pivots. It was an unexpected and crazy week for the couple and for their parents in the early days of the current crises. The original plan was for the wedding to happen in Covenant Sanctuary and for the reception to be off-site. They knew of a need for a plan B and a plan C. I learned when I arrived the night of the rehearsal dinner in the backyard of the bride's parents' home that we were implementing plan P. They erected a tent with plastic walls right up against the back of the house, which we expected that we would need because a torrential downpour was anticipated, forecast to happen during the exact time of the ceremony, which indeed proved to be true. We all got wet, me included, as there was a steady waterfall, a downfall of water there at the seam of the tent in the back of the house that we all had to walk through to be seated. I learned afterwards that the bride had water dripping down from her elbow during most of the service, including when she was making her vows, because the pole that was holding up the center of the tent was exactly where she was standing, and it was all beginning to leak water, and the bride's shoulder had water flowing down from it through her elbow. As they walked away, bride and groom, after being pronounced husband and wife, I watched as the train of the bride's dress rearranged massive amounts of water as so much water was now seated seated and gathered at our feet. After the ceremony, we all went inside where toast happened and cake was enjoyed. The bride had tears during her toast which I found to be particularly appropriate and honest as it was not quite the day that she was imagining for her wedding day or what her parents had dreamed for her. Yet Tara and Mitch exhibited so much grace that day. And then I noticed off to the side, the bride's father quietly going and getting a particular bottle of wine from the cabinet. And all of a sudden, a murmur began to happen there amongst the group. I learned that the bride's dad had been given a very special bottle of wine when he left a work assignment that he did for several years in Singapore. It was back in 2004 when he received this wine, and since that date, it has been stored in waiting. Every holiday, every event... The adult children, especially the daughters, they wondered if this would be the time when dad would open the wine. There had been many special occasions for it to be opened. The arrival of the first grandchild, the wedding of the son, more grandchildren arrived, a very special 90th birthday party for the beloved patriarch of the family, but the wine continued to age until wait until that moment. When the bride's dad spontaneously decided, even to the surprise of his wife, that this was the time. It's a picture of resilience that I now carry forward. When the wedding dress becomes a mop, is married to a father who opens the best bottle of wine, the resiliency of love 
and living into the resurrection right now where life and love triumph. Friends, God has and will be forever faithful to us. We are being held in a love, a love that will not let us go, a love that will not let you go. And this is what will enable us to be resilient, enabling us to live a life of love and purpose where joy and tears and sadness and frustration are all intermingled, co-mingled, and where all the emotions and the experiences of life are gathered up in a family that is following Jesus together in times of ease and in times of difficulty. But love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And that is what will help us to persevere. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.